0: Welcome to the Good Intention Show, coming to you live on the UI Radio Network. The Good Intention Show is sponsored by the United Intentions Foundation at unitedintentions.org. A virtual community where you learn to create, track, and manifest your passions one intention at a time. Look for us on Blog Talk, Spreaker, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and many more. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram under United Intentions and on Twitter at Higher Intention. Yes, this is the Good Intention Show where you will meet people who live life intentionally and hear about things they're not telling you in the mainstream media. <laughs> and now... Here's the truth seeker, the snake charmer, a legend in his own mind, broadcasting live all over the universe, your host, Mr. Tim Ray. Surprise, surprise. Very tough. <gasps>
1: yeah! But it is so stupid and war. And I think once people um, really finally unplug from the mainstream media and listening to all the propaganda out there and um, thinking, and you realize that all, everything we're learning in our history books and, and in our education system about the glorification of war and soldiers and protection and all that, and you realize that it's not true. It's just a handful of people out there in the world creating these wars have been from the, almost the beginning of time. And manipulating and selling us the good of sales that why we're going in you know and you know it's admirable in a sense but it's it's not the truth' it's we're war has no purpose and if we understood diversity and we understood other cultures and put ourselves in their in their art and their shoes, they're no different than anyone us we are all the same and uh, we have a great show today. We have our guests who's going to be talking about uh, diversity and the importance of it and, uh, and how far do we go with it and uh, what, it, what does it mean to us. So we're looking forward to getting into that. And, and I really think diversity is our answer to getting rid of war. And, of course, a couple of those key people up on top, you know. But um, so uh, we have so much going on, Jennifer. I don't know where to begin. Uh, what do we, God, where do we start? I mean, we, I don't feel like, Jesse, the last couple of weeks and Jen, that it's just been wow.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. powerful huh that's been uh that's kind of been the atmosphere around the united intentions uh foundation really we're just making a lot of headwind in a lot of different areas in particular the uif education program which yeah. is kind of exciting to say the least you know yeah.
1: and Jen's here to tell us about the uif program and how you can get involved and uh, not only uh, can intern help us get the message out, but donate. Help us get it going. Help us get into all the schools all around this country and around the world, actually. Mm-hmm. So tell us where we are on this.
3: Well, we were at Unity this past weekend oh, for an yeah. event, which yeah, was sure. really great. We always support um, Unity North Atlanta. That's yeah, the
1: but all the Unity, the yes. corporate yes. Unity out there. Missouri, I think, or somewhere else. We've been
3: going there. to their mm-hmm. uh, health and wellness fair for a, a couple y- years yeah, now, right? Yeah, yeah. And met some really, really great people Met the Children's um, Director out there, and they're very interested in our program and just going out and empowering Uh, i was talking with joan earlier about this and i was like the three words that i say about our program is we empower children to realize that they have that their thoughts do create their reality we um and not only empower but we have them we show them a way to keep accountable And like giving them a way to track them and show them with action steps how they can come about and then give them resiliency and how we can how they can apply everything that we teach them in our program in every part of life. And we look at the whole child, not just who they are in school, but who they are everywhere in life.
1: And that's that social emotional learning, Mm SEL, right? SEL learning. And Mm -hmm. it's what's needed because, you know, we're not getting taught this and we need to. We need to learn how our thoughts create a reality when we're just uh, first grade. Mm-hmm. You know, right, John?
4: Right. It's interesting that one of the the best predictor of of how much kids learn is uh with a teacher is relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: So, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So we get we so we got that going on, so get involved guys. And how can they get involved if they want to?
3: They can email us at contact at uieducation.org. Um or you can go to our site and there's a whole um There's a tab for it called UI Education. And also How to Help, right? Yes, and if you would like to help us empower children all over the world, just go to How Do You Help? And instead of going to Starbucks or whatever, go to our site and donate. There
1: you go. Help us get this going. Mm All right. Every little bit helps. So we've got a lot of interviews coming up too as well real quick here before we get into the show. Uh Sister Jenna is going to be an exciting one. She's uh she works yeah. she she partners with Oprah Winfrey's uh outfit, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. She's uh she's part of, she's a actually the major partner for the Oprah Winfrey network. And she has an organization called the American Meditation Organization, and it's right. uh, it's it's about spreading the fact that more institutions and more people need to practice meditation in, within their daily lives. We
1: should. When I'm going on her radio show, what next week or so? oh uh,
2: you're going on Thursday.
1: Th- this Thursday. Oh, yeah. wow! Great. Tomorrow. Wow. Look at that. You're busy. Yeah, and uh, so. We need to get her and them involved in our meditation challenge. I
2: think so too, because uh, you. I love we, that we, meditation we,
1: challenge. I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know who came with the name, but I, tell you, I just want to hug and kiss you.
3: mommy mm-hmm. me. Yeah, Kyle, right? Is that who
1: it was? Uh, yeah, maybe it's Kyle. I don't Kyle, know. Yeah. Or goodbye, Jesse. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, Jesse. Maybe you two are the creative ones here. Yeah, right. a little bit, you know. A <laughs> <Not me. laughs> <laughs> little bit. A little bit. So uh yeah so we're looking forward to that and we have that coming up and we just did a great show on the wake up hour if you guys like the wake up hour a lot of a lot of folks like the good intention show it's more softer gentler approach of raising vibration and the wake up hour is a little more in your face looking at some uh perceived negative realities out there and how we could transform them into a positive future we just did a great show with Kevin Ship on uh a really serious and tough topic which was uh satanic pedophilia and so we're we're uh, we're putting that up on our YouTube channel today and please Get that video, watch it, and share it. It is one of the most critical shows I think we've done in a long time. And uh, it was well done. Uh, It was excellent information and something that you guys will really appreciate. So when you see that, share it and send it out. All right. So to our guest here. um, I know, right? Hello, Joan.
3: Hello.
1: Uh, Joan Joan, uh, Shabib. She is... Uh, worked as an educator, I should say, and school counselor for over 30 years. She's a licensed professional counselor and holds a certificate of spiritual direction. I like to talk a little about that, what that is, too. Mm -hmm. She has a counseling and spiritual direction practice for women. Why do the women get all the good stuff? You know, it's like, why can't you say for men and women? It's, you know, God, you know, this... uh, if it wasn't if it didn't if it, if it wasn't so you know so um, beautiful that I'd I'd, you know, I'd I'd call it out you know mm-hmm. but All right. practice counsel for women in the Atlanta area and offers subversion supervision excuse me groups for counseling seeking uh, licensure she enjoys traveling and sharing yes she do enjoy traveling which we're we'll getting into <laughs> and sharing the adventure and insights gained from experiencing life in other cultures Joan lives with her husband a oh boy Lachine
4: Lasan. Lasan. Yeah. Okay.
1: A native Morocco. Uh and uh in Marietta, Georgia, and Joan can be contacted at her email, which is J underscore uh, Shabib, which is spelled nothing like how it sounds. C H A B I B at bell dot dot net. Or you can catch her on her website, Joan dot com. That's Joan C H A I B A B dot com.
4: Yeah, that's basically if you
1: interested in buying the book the second one yeah yeah okay great and this this book we're gonna be talking about today which is a really fascinating uh book um uh and i think i could say caravan sarai sarai (laughs) sarai (laughs) sarai um so welcome thank you yeah yeah yeah. great to be here didn't you you didn't expect that many people right right? (laughs) all right so you know carol connell she she comes on our show uh regularly and uh you guys spend a lot of time um uh doing your counseling and sharing and caring with each other and she's just a wonderful soul isn't she yes she is i know right uh and i think um like that way there you go and i think uh she uh she, she knows she knows talent when she sees it so uh she strongly recommend you come on here okay. show and and uh, getting your message out, because you have a great message. I mean, this book right here is called The Gifts from the Caravan Sarai. 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 <laughs> Sarai, just like the I, Sarai. And Caravan Sarai, what's, what's, there has to be a story behind that, because that is, uh, I never even heard that word before, but it sounds like a fun word.
4: Uh, kind of an exotic word. Yeah, yeah, I
1: know, yeah. Well,
4: Caravan Sarais were um, like hotels that were along the ancient trade routes, um, for caravans that were going from the far east to like to to Turkey and so all of these different cultures would come together in these caravanserais and and I kind of talk about that in the book that they may sit around the campfire and exchange ideas and mm. language culture songs music and so in a way it was a, it was a method of cultures uh, being passed to different parts of the world and you can still travel and see some of these the remnants of these ancient uh caravanserais. So I kind of saw the book as a as a sort of a metaphor for that.
1: Sure. And and that's where people really do their most creative communication is that type of environment, right?
4: Right. The, that exchange, uh, exchange, that casual kind yeah. of uh interested exchange and conversation. And
1: sharing and stories. It was, you know, especially back in the day, it was all parables and stories. People mm-hmm. would pull up and uh, I was before the uh, iPhone, I'd say, <laughs> right? And uh, it's great, and it's bridging cultures through universal values. It's a it's easy, simple book to read. It's great to pick up and kind of pull things together for you in reference to diversity and how uh, the cultures really are not that different. I mean, but you you know about war, don't you? Think Is that people would just put themselves in other people's shoes and 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 stop beating to this drum of. Of whatever this, this 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 delusion that these power brokers create for us to send our children to die and be traumatized and to kill other human beings—it's it's, it's kind of crazy insanity when you think about it. just the concept of war, right? Yeah. Um, and but it's been so glorified, and it's such a closed system in the sense that it's so easy to justify and. And I was always this way. I was I, trust me, I was caught into a soldier's life. I loved the soldier and I still do. I respect the soldiers completely and there's a time when you have to defend yourself. Well it's just a lot of these the big picture wars, and I'm sure there's other wars that are not that are a little more you know, legitimate if that's even the right word, but uh they come about and you know, and we just we just say oh, we're gonna kill another human being who really could just be just like you, just like me, just like our kids, right?
4: Right. And that's one thing that um I've really benefited from traveling is that um, I always wanted to take myself out of my comfort zone. I don't want to go travel somewhere that's just like where I came yeah, from. Yeah. And, you know, you, you go to another culture and they're very interested in you. And um, there's, you know, of course you're going to have...
1: Not to eat you, but I mean, interested they're interested to you. They, they want to, you, to right? talk to you, <laughs> they want
4: to... Uh, uh, I remember when I was in Morocco, we were on a train and um, my girlfriend that I would met traveling, we were we were traveling together, we met this one young man and he wanted an American name and he gave us Arabic names. And then when we got to the town, he invited us to his sister's home in this old Medina. And so we sat around and it was just spontaneous, but he was so open and welcoming to, to people that he didn't know except for a conversation on the train. And I found that all the time when I was traveling. And it really added a new dimension to your travel that you put yourself in an environment where you actually did see how other people live. And
1: but don't you think a lot of it has to do also with your mindset? Because I could put another person on that train with you who perhaps travels every day uh, different places for whatever reason, and I don't know, open and close. That person could be more of a closed system and not caring to engage and look around i mean we have we can't even look up in the sky anymore you know i mean because we're just so focused on whatever we're focused on in front of our faces it's some of the folks who um are have this opportunity for this lush diversity of what's going on around them in a new place never been in and if they're not in the mindset where they want to engage in that they they lose so much, right? They do. And uh,
4: uh, it was funny because I was traveling with somebody who never did that. And we we laughed about it. She said, if I was traveling, I would just go in my, go somewhere, go to my hotel room. But, she was with me and yeah, so we yeah. ended up talking and um it just really to other people in another culture and going places with them with within reason and um it just created a totally different experience for for both of us but especially for her too
1: right well in, and so what do you do is it just your natural bubbly instinct just to when you get on a train or you're you're at a um caravan Sarai uh, environment <laughs> um, do you uh, just outside engage because you want you have such a sense of curiosity um, or is it is it that you you have to push yourself to do that
4: well I don't think I really pushed I'm
1: moving a little closer here
4: I don't think I really pushed myself to do that okay. it's like opportunities came up and um, usually if you're traveling Uh, by yourself or with one other person, you're more open to that. If you're with a group, it's going to be the group experience and I know sometimes when I was with the group I would say goodbye and I would leave the group because I would want to to connect with um, people in the culture and it really always turned out to be something that made me feel have a deeper feeling about. I I guess my, my
1: point is exactly that is that you have an intention to have a positive experience to learning and to to learn about this other person 's culture, your intention is there where you 're not closed off, you want to engage in that, and that intention helps you create that experience right,
4: right? I go kind of for that purpose yeah, that wow that 's like that 's
1: your intended purpose. some people go you know just to get to point A to point B and you go really just to be able to lose yourself in another culture and totally try to understand their uh, their sense of how they live right
4: right and there's you have your moments when you go okay I've got to <laughs> take a break but but um, uh, yeah it, it really changes your whole sense of travel when you right.
1: do that well it sounds like you come from a great space and uh, that's that's wonderful so have you gone on was well, first tell us some of the travels you have gone on Joan and, and where, where are some of the places you've been to
4: um, well I um, my first big trip, I went to uh, India and stayed in an ashram for— uh, What is that, um, Well, the
1: folks who don't know? An
4: ashram, it's a spiritual place of learning, and it's usually—not always, but sometimes there's a uh, living teacher or it was founded by a teacher that has left their body. And, and so the whole time you're there is a spiritual discipline. And, but I wanted to see other places, so um, I came back and traveled with a group. And then I came back to India. I mean, India, I could go to over and over and over again. Right. And, um, uh, that's a
1: kind of a tough place, you know, I mean, they, because if, you, if you're the type of person who's a perfectionist, you want things to always go well, go to India. Oh, and, no, uh, no, no, no. Do yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> the last time I went, I went with my husband, and, and he decided to go at the last minute. And part of it, I went to an ashram. And then I really wanted to, to go a lot of different places. But, um, I didn't prepare ahead of time by making reservations for travel which now you have to do that. So uh-huh. we ended up on the trains where all the people are hanging out the sides of the windows yeah. for most of the time right. and but it was uh spontaneous and fun and Right.
1: You know. So so you love going to air uh, Morocco of course. Uh, it seems to be more of a kind of eastern culture attraction for you or you know middle east eastern culture attraction? Right. It
4: seems that way. It seems okay. um uh You know, Europe, I've been there, I just feel pulled more, I guess because somewhat about the the spiritual part of it, too. Well, it is one of the oldest summer.
1: It was one one of the oldest places, you know, uh, back uh, from from mankind, you know, Mm -hmm. to spawn from, right? So there's probably something
2: there. Have your travels ever taken you to South America?
4: No, but I would like, I, I thought of going down to Brazil to... Just to be around John of God, yeah, but um, but not yet. Yeah, we're, okay. we're
1: we're actually looking and getting them on the show. So, oh, really? Yeah, we're working on that. But the um, so when you go there and you experience, say, a new culture, what's like a newest culture that you you say that you perhaps have been exposed to? The latest culture, new, newest one in your in your in your um, you know your your list of places.
4: Uh, probably the. Um, Probably Morocco.
1: Morocco, okay. So when you gone to Morocco on the first time there, um, do you see the differences? Do you notice the differences first or do you notice the similarities from your culture?
4: Well, I think you notice the differences first.
1: Okay. and 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 when you see the differences... How do you process that? Because you have to compare it. Our, our, we're, we're value judging every second of our lives. People mm-hmm. say don't judge. We're judging all the time. Uh, more value judging than anything. Mm-hmm. And so what was your experience like? How did you value judge Morocco when you first got there, if you can remember? Uh. N- unless you were in some cantina somewhere. You know, <laughs> doing the cha-cha-cha. Or <laughs> they do in Morocco. Casablanca. Casablanca, yeah. They, yeah. they
2: do... Um, they do belly dancing. I yeah, think. belly
4: dancing. <laughs> yeah. Actually, they don't do a lot of that. They don't really. No. Oh, no, that's the, our portrayal of. Yeah, of you that. see that how show interesting? You how, yeah, how, yeah how They, they do. do their their dances are really interesting, but it's not really belly dancing.
2: What what, it, what what is it? Or could you elaborate a little bit more on that?
4: Gosh, I don't know. They just the way they move to the to the drums and the music and uh, um, the high pitched you know sound the women make. It's a different move. It's not belly dancing. Yeah. Though. Is
2: it like gypsy maybe or. No, no so it's sort of hmm. like um uh
4: th- they have people out in the countryside they call Berber okay the berber people and um uh I, I think there's also you know some question on whether that's the appropriate word to use but but they it's sort of like country dances mountain, some of these mountain people uh,
2: kind of like traditional folk a little bit or yeah, okay. yeah exactly All very right. cool yeah. so so back to the original question <laughs> how do you value
1: judge them how did you value judge them well, like, what, what's when your first experience here? What wow, that hit you. That difference. What was that difference? Uh,
4: well, that Morocco wasn't as much of a culture shock as India was, but I think there's always okay, well, go that with, go with
1: India. What was the overwhelm?
4: Thing? <laughs> you know, you go, oh my gosh, you know, this is this is totally different. And like what what was different?
1: What was it stick stuck out?
4: Well, there are. Um, beggars on the streets, especially right. in the places where Americans would first go to and they're very invasive and so you have to put up a little bit of your wall you know um, because that helps you to I think you know be able to integrate function, yeah. yeah, and function so, so some of those kinds of things the poverty um, but then I remember the first time I went I thought oh my gosh I don't want to come back and then I was back. And then, you know, you start to, to not that you're insensitive to it, but you can also see the beauty there. And, um, I think in Morocco, um, it's kind of the same thing. Anytime you step out of your comfort zone, you, you start to, uh, um, You notice the sounds the smells there's the call to prayer but if you're that you would hear all throughout the city and and people knowing that you're American then they come up to you and and may ask some things of you like taxi drivers everybody's trying to to engage you but
1: sounds like New York City to me but (laughs) yeah
4: It's, it's
2: fun, you know? Well, okay,
1: so that's the differences. Now, what about the similarities? What are, what are the similarities that you immediately start identifying with when, say, you're in India or Morocco? Or uh, what What are you kind of like, okay, this is, this is not so different than being in America, or at least that person is, is similar to a lot of my friends?
4: Well, people were always interested to talk with you. And if they knew English, then they wanted to practice their English, and they uh, knew a lot of, about things going on in the world, and so that sense of trying to engage and connect with you, as as an American, that you know their opportunities are limited in that way, and so they they saw you as someone that, that was you know their kind of would enrich their life and a lot of times they would invite you to a really important things going on in like a wedding or to their schools to their colleges because they want to share and so I, I feel like they're that openness and wanting to share as human beings in the world
1: so that you say they probably perhaps less pretentious than like if you yeah. landed in, ho- in LA somewhere and people asking you come to their home you're more worried about getting a roofie and uh, <laughs> but there it's more so they really want to share They want to share your culture and your experiences with theirs and like, wow, look, look at Joan. We got Joan here, you know. Yeah, and
4: they're very thrilled that you enjoy it. I remember one time um, my husband and I were traveling in a rental car and it – wasn't working very well and it stopped and so all of a sudden we're surrounded by all these people. This is in India? This is in Morocco. All these people that want to fix the car and eventually what happened was that someone came that had a big compound where all his family lived. They invited us to, their, uh, to stay at their compound, they cooked uh, their Friday couscous meal mm. for us, they put henna, gave us gifts, I and mean, it was like, oh my gosh, you, know, <laughs> you would never see that happening here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it, se- it seems like there, it, there's, especially in, in the Eastern and even the Middle East culture, there seems to be a more, uh, and, and, and you know, in the, in the, um, the uh, Asian culture as well, there seems to be more of a, an authenticity peace not that you know, hear the states there's not I mean the different mm-hmm. pockets you have that but it seems that culture especially from their excuse me their religious perhaps perspective and background they've created a culture of authenticity more so and whereas it has been perverted as much as here in the Western culture as much uh, I'm sure we're working on them <laughs> we're, 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 we're perverting them every day I'm sure um, but it seems uh, that there's there's more that once you get past that shock of wow you know first world second world third world experience you're able to then engage and you realize oh, you know what they're all kind of just the same they want to have love they want to have uh, friendship they want you know they want to survive they want to make money of course but mm-hmm. I, but is, is money as important to them there as it is here from our perspective um, western culture per- perspective
4: well i guess the way they uh it's important because you know a lot of young people there don't have jobs, and so they want opportunities just like all of us do. I, th- I think that um, one thing I learned when I went to some of these places was I could come home, I, I don't have to have this. I mean, it, a lot of things that we think we have to have that you can live much simpler, and um, it's not necessary as we might think it would be.
1: So the... The identification of outside materialism is a little less mm-hmm. than
4: and and that might just be who I encountered, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, I would definitely say we were a lot more materialistic than you go to some of those cultures.
1: Right. Well a lot of times when you climb the um the socioeconomical ladder, whether in any country you'll find more people uh, the higher higher up on the ladder right. monetarily, the more identified they are with the outside things, things yeah. you know and uh, and it seems maybe in the western culture, even on the small on the lower la- ladders of that of that climb, people are, are more attached to those identification things i'm wishing they had this so, you know yeah. I want to be Katy Perry you know, I want mm-hmm. to be so and so all right so you had these you had these journeys you had you traveled around to different places and you're, and you lose yourself or not lose yourself, but you engage yourself in these local cultures and you truly enjoy. Learning about these other cultures. So, uh, how has that has transformed you as 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 Joan um, uh, Shabib to where you used to be and where you are now? How are you a much better, know, better person? But how are you a, m- a more enlightened person because of these experiences? I mean, couldn't you got can you got this experience from watching TV, and watching Gandhi on television? <laughs> that was a great movie, by I the, liked the way. Gandhi, yeah, I know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, great movie. Um, One of my favorites.
4: You know, if I was looking back on my life, or I am looking back on my life, I would just see that that was a key element of who I am, who I am now, is all of those experiences. And I didn't grow up with uh, div- a lot of diversity and uh, parents that traveled or anything, but there was something sort of innate in me. The that- old
1: Archie Bunker <laughs> lifestyle, you know? Mm-hmm. No, not that. I love, I love O'Connell. <laughs> it was O'Connor, what is his name? Carol O'Connell. Connor. yeah. So, no relation to Carol O'Connell <laughs>
4: <laughs> so I don't know it's sort of like um it's kind of helped to fill me out as a person in a in a way that um I value that part of myself so and- what
1: what are the values that you um you've learned or, and incorporated into your life because we'll talk about the universal values because you mentioned that's what your book title uh, subtitle on that is you know is uh, is, is bridging these cultures through universal values, but what are some of the values that you hold dear and near now that you've had this uh, diversified experiences in your life?
4: Well, one value I uh, have always felt, and this is part of my growing up, is that spirituality is an important part of your life. And traveling in different cultures, even though it was a different religion and maybe a practice that, that didn't seem like maybe I couldn't grasp it or, or really understand it, it yeah. yeah i could I could see uh, what was behind it, what why they did it, you know what 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 uh, it brought to their life and um so it helped me to value all different um paths of religions and spirituality and 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 kind of try to take it deeper. Uh,
1: so you're kind of a spiritual junkie, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we can take our first break. When we get back um, from from uh, our first break, let's talk a little about some more values that you think you incorporate in your personality that you're, uh, you're, you're more of a broader-minded, you know, spiritual thinker. man. maybe things that you take with you and that you may want to share with folks, too, as well, not only today but also in your book as well. Okay. We'll be right back with Joan Shabib. Hello, I'm Tim Ray, founder of the United Intentions Foundation, and I'd like to share a cool way how you can teach your children the gift of giving. My dear friends, Brent and Jen Pollard, are having a birthday party this Sunday, May 7th, at their home. And, well, why don't I just be quiet and let Jen and her kids tell you about the idea?
3: So it's Jack's sixth birthday
4: this Sunday. Sunday. Say hi, hi Jack. Instead of parents bringing birthday presents, we are asking them to donate money to one of Jack's favorite foundations. He and me as a family support. This year is the Alpharetta Public Safety Foundation.
2: And guess what, Emma? They help the local police and fire department all the time. I think this this is just just amazing and a great learning learning for for my children children. about generosity and the importance of giving back to the community.
1: Absolutely. And I'll tell you if you want to learn more about this or get involved, you can contact Brent and Jennifer at Hotmail.com. That's Brent and Jennifer at Hotmail.com. Or if you'd like to donate directly to the foundation, go to the website and type in apsfoundation.org, APS foundation.org, and see how you could personally donate to the foundation. And spread the word on this cool idea of how giving back to your community is so important. All right, we are back. That was a cool little commercial, wasn't it, John? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Giving back to the community, especially important. for kids.
1: I mean, kids giving up presents for birthday and then having parents come in and donate. So it, important. Well, what what are the children are learning? Mm-hmm. Learning that it's not a, the identification of of uh, the, the prize, but it's more so the uh, the, the act of giving and giving to you know the police department, whatever the found, your favorite foundation is. And mm-hmm. I think that's really a smart uh, uh, way to raise children. And I think it's, uh, it's a good way. I mean, I think a lot more, bir- you know, you may have a, a lot less people come to your birthday party, right? <laughs> I don't
0: know. I don't
2: know. It might be, it's kind of interesting, too, because, you know, you, um, honestly, uh, it's the pressure. Like, oh, you got to get, get a, what's it called, like a present or stuff like that. And so instead of doing that rush, it's like, oh, you're presenting an idea. Yeah. All, you got, all I need is for you to donate to this, to this charity. I'm like, sure, that's cool. Sure. Kids are going to have fun regardless. You know yeah, what I mean? So yeah, this is kind yeah. of an interesting concept that I'm and, kind of on board with.
1: Yeah, and, and, and what's nice about this one, you know, because of this, there uh, one of the uh, officers is bringing, who's over the canine unit now, is bringing one of his canine dogs to the birthday party. Yeah. So a very kid, special one, too. Yeah, huh? yeah a very special <laughs> one. And and But the point is the kids now have, they'd rather have this moment with this, Canine dog than than this you know five dollar present that they're going to play with for like two minutes and then you know, <laughs> throw it away. You forget about it. have that memory for the rest of their life. Right, you and
4: you, you you'd be surprised you know kids how many kids would enjoy that. I have a great niece that every birthday she has she does something like that, and there's never a problem with kids that come. You
0: yeah, know? Oh,
1: absolutely. So uh, so we we're talking about values, and this to me this is important because. Uh, Yes, you you're raised by your values with your immediate family, father, mother, or whoever your guardian was at the time being raised. Your local school system, um, unfortunately, the television and the and the, <laughs> and the and the computer and the cell phones is uh, very destructive in my sense of create putting values in there because you're letting strangers put values into your kids' minds, basically. And I'm telling you what, their values is easy to pick apart, but to have the experience to meet a whole nother culture. Like, my son went to China last year, and he's going to China again this year. And he, he came back, and he first words out of his mouth, and he tries to act all hip and cool, right? You know, <laughs> uh, And he goes, you know, game changer. Game changer. Right. And he just... And in China, you you think you you think you had an eye opening over in um, India. in India. You know, you should go to China, <laughs> and because he just went into the he didn't he went to come from the big cities, but they're basically in his school because he's taking Chinese. They went to all the small little towns mm-hmm. that spoke no English whatsoever. It was only Ch- it was only Mandarin, only Chinese, and and wow, I mean, having a culture shock like that, and uh, thank God he had you know, both people who were interpreters to some degree, but he's practices Chinese, but it's he came back with a whole nother set of values Hmm. and i would say one of the values that you probably get from being in india is patience yeah right right what are some of the values you take back with you now from your travels
4: um well i think too when you see um other people and their living conditions and things that they uh they might need that we take for granted is you have a lot more gratitude
1: gratitude is a big one yeah, for what you
4: have in your life and um, also a sense of, uh, of wanting to give back or service or uh, to help other people and I think that is great what you have in your curriculum that um, with the
1: Imagine If program
4: right right that a part of it is teaching kids service because that's one thing I brought into one of my stories is that um, when you're you help other people. The joy goes both ways. And um, a lot of children don't have that opportunity. So um, I would say seeing the, the value of service would be A another. big one. one. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, and it's so hard these days because we're so focused in a, a self self selfish not selfish selfish perspective and there's a balance. You have to be a certain certain degree selfish because selfish has a bad negative connotation associated to it. But if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a certain element that you have to do. But when you lose yourself where it's always self focused uh, for you, it, am I benefit from this? Am I benefiting from this? Am I benefiting from this? Am I benefiting from this? Then you lose that sense of service and gratitude uh, because it's hard that um and I got to get mine. I got to get paid. I got you know whatever the the latest buzzword they're saying mm-hmm. out there in the media is to get you know and it's sex. You have to act cool like you know I got I I got to get paid. You know, yeah. it's like no man. You, you got to learn how to live, interact, love, and share. You know, and that's part of what you really should be making hip. You know, but part of that to me for when you you go on these experiences you take that back and then you share that with other people and what you do want you tell us a little bit how you do that i mean of course in your book as well but how do you do, how do you, how do you transfer that knowledge and wealth of knowledge that you learn from other cultures
4: well when i was um in the in the school system i did it a lot through teaching and classroom guidance um any time that i could bring in anything that i i learned from a travel or um share music or um uh, anything that would be culturally relevant to that culture and, and had a teaching from a life skill, I would do that because the kids that had traveled, they were like, oh yeah, you know, I can identify with this and they wanted to share. And those that hadn't, you know, they, um, my hope was that, yeah, they could see themselves as stepping out of just where they're from and be able to experience more of life, you know, universally than than maybe what they might think they can. So that just as a teaching aspect.
1: Nah, I think that's great. In fact, you do some teaching aspects in here. Why don't you talk a little bit about the book in reference to, like, uh, one thing that I was checking out was the story of uh, Gopal.
4: Mm-hmm. Is it Gopal? Gopal. Gopal. Uh huh.
1: Um, and what, what does that teach us? Why don't you share a little bit about that?
4: Well, um, actually, at the end of each story, I put a little blurb about what the story teaches us, but it's really just open-ended. Okay, so you really want to see what children get from it. Or yeah, it's younger. the
1: lesson. It's the lesson in the story. right? Yeah, yeah.
4: And um, with Gopal... Um,
1: Is that a place?
0: Your Varanasi name? was the place. Okay. And that's...
4: Uh, it was called Benares, too. And it's one of the most holy cities in um, India. And it's where uh, sometimes people come to cremate someone that has died and their ashes go in the Ganges. But um, I saw him as someone that... Um, that had difficult circumstances in his life, but he didn't let that hold him back. And so in the story, he finds a, prof- a profession of helping this boatman who takes tourists out on the Ganges, which you actually do exactly what they did, and um, uh, helps these tourists to understand the culture. And then in the context of the story, he also gets to go with them to uh, Sarnath, which is where the Buddha gave his teachings. and um, and one thing I felt like in that story, he has an ex- sort of an awakening experience. And um, uh, my takeaway is to trust your experience, you know, that, that when he comes out of it, he doesn't know if it was real, if it was a dream. And then he finds um, a flower that's kind of a symbol to him that it was on some level real for him. And I think that in our spiritual life, we need to trust um, the experiences that were given. And as
1: it as if we manifested them. For our experience.
4: Right. They're for you. They're you know, for whatever you have to do in life, this experience that you've been given, don't just throw it away because somebody else goes, That's crazy, you're you yeah, know, but yeah. listen to it, learn from it. And um you know, take it as your own, and it's a gift. You know, so that was kind of what.
1: Well, that's a great lesson because most of us are in denial about our reality, and we stick our heads in the sand. And when we were experiencing this, and it's there for a reason. We're literally manifesting these experiences and this these realities to learn to to learn through to you know learn either through pain or learn through love, one or the other, uh, but. It's that contrast which we were giving an opportunity, and when you, when when I think when we deny that we just, eat, and I say deny not so much maybe consciously denying it, but we're ignoring it, we're just pretending, we're just not saying it's important. God, what lessons are we losing there?
4: And a lot of it's like just trusting yourself too. Yeah, you know, something happens, or you experience something, or uh, maybe someone's in meditation and they get an intuition, or a thought, or a feeling, or yeah. and and then not trusting that like you know being afraid to trust that so yeah um, I think that um, any kind of of, uh, social emotional growth when you're working with adults and children like being able to trust what you are thinking and feeling inside or at least sit with it for a little while and see how (laughs) how it might be relevant for you
1: no yeah sure I mean I I totally get that and I think Part of that, like we try to share, like in our culture here in the Western states, uh, Western states in the Western hemisphere, let's say, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, it, it's different down south as well, you know. It is, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, although I think they're being more converted to Western style, you know, uh, well, we chase, can, chasing the dragon.
2: Yeah, man. we could definitely get into that. <laughs> but, Just uh, a little uh, tidbit, John. I'm actually from Honduras.
4: Oh, okay. That's yeah. what you asked me about, South America. Exactly. <laughs> uh,
2: via the Bronx, but I mean.
1: Yeah. Yeah. According to
2: Tim, yeah. Apparently, I'm, I'm f- in another life I was from New York. <laughs> <laughs> you sure sounds like one, doesn't anyway,
1: Um Anyway, so... With the with the values and we share that and I think it's very important to our kids. It just seems like the, we're the technology and perhaps the television, the media doesn't seem as controlled in some of these other countries. Doesn't seem as important to them as it is. Like we, you literally. There's people here. I mean, uh, I was two. as I was talking to about? This, said they said they're measuring this one girl, one of the relatives. She, it, every 40 seconds, she she picked up her phone or had her phone or whatever, and she can middle of her conversation. And it, within no more than 40 seconds, she'd pick up her phone, look at, it, and put it down. And almost, it's an unconscious right. drive. It's such an addiction that it's it's. I want to say it's worse than drugs at some level. You know, <laughs> it's I mean, up I, there. I mean, pharmaceutical drugs are worse than illegal, legal drugs are worse than illegal drugs these days, you know? And I I just, it's amazing how that culture of technology has just taken... Our focus from our intrinsic values of what's what we consider important in a communication with someone and the value lessons we learn to a level that is just immediate distraction because they're looking at this. I don't say stupid things on the, online, but they're looking at things that they're taking them out of this present moment with mm-hmm. you. You know, they mm-hmm. can't be present with you. And I'll tell you what, I am. I find myself in that trap right. as well. I'm, I'm no different. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm more conscious of it, and I'm trying to work through it, but. Uh, my God, most people are just completely unconscious about that. Right, and what, li, li, what, how can they appreciate that reality, that lesson, their experience they're experienced are in, if they're 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 not present in the moment? They're lost through this this matrix.
4: That you know, I'm and we're all guilty of it. I yeah, am, I am yeah, too, yeah. but um, yeah, we're gonna uh, find,
1: we're gonna start finding people on the phones,
4: <laughs> you know? but um, find It's interesting. I have a, a supervision group in uh, St. Simon's, and a lot of the counselors there are teaching mindfulness in the schools. And that's um, a nice
1: word to say meditation because you can't say meditation or yoga in schools in these days because they're so closed system. They don't want people to think, well, you know, you know. But it's, like,
2: it's like a religious connotation when in reality it really isn't. You know
1: what I mean? Well, not. Yeah, you're right. But you know, it just you can't play with ignorance sometimes. You have to just avoid it. But go ahead.
4: Well, it's uh, and mindfulness is is uh, even though you could connect that with Buddhism, it's kind of it could be generic too. It's just like um, there's been a lot of been a lot of writers that have talked about how to keep yourself in the present moment, and um, so to teach that to. To children early on, um, I think it's kind of a way to to deal with some of this um, uh, intensity around technology. Yeah, I mean
1: that's what the Imagine program is for. But 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 even then, it's almost like we're 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 setting these kids up to fail. We're setting humans up to fail because. Yes, we're pushing mindfulness and we're trying to share that. We're bringing, trying to meditation in. We're being creative and we're doing all the different things. But at the same time, every day, more technology is coming out, 5G, 6G, mm-hmm. uh, more more things that you could do, Facebook Live, Instagram Live. I mean, they got, you know, Red YouTube. I don't know what's going on anymore. It's, just, it's <laughs> overwhelming. So you, here, here you are, you're saying, yeah, you should be this way, be present in the moment, but yet... Every other minute, their flicker rate in television is going by faster and faster and faster. And we're creating ADD everywhere. And we're like pouring on all this technology that's taking them out of the present moment. There has to be a point where, in my opinion, if you're going to really appreciate diversity and understand how our experiences, what we're experiencing, is helping us um, can find a lesson in there rather than ignoring it. Um, either two things. You look at what they're doing in this techn- and they're being totally distracted all the time. Is their experience... And are they learning a lesson or are they just being zombied into it? I don't know. Maybe that's the lesson that they need to learn, right? Um, and Or is there a way that we could slow down this barrage of technolo- technological and media um, bombardment or blitzkrieg, let's say, and give the kids a chance to breathe in the present moment and to really be able to appreciate it? You know uh, what's 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 your answer, Joan? I want to an- <laughs> Joan. I want to answer to these questions. <laughs>
4: I'm a counselor. Don't <laughs> fix people. Um, I want answers, Joan. <laughs> well, one thing I would uh, th- thoughts that are coming is is, is this is not going to change. I mean, yeah, technology yeah. is here. It's going to get stay. worse, right? And and so I think um, balance, as in everything, um, uh, learning to balance your life. As adults, sometimes we'll go, "Ah, I need a break from all this technology. And and so we – it may be difficult, but we do that and we see the value. And if I go on vacation, I'm not really looking at Facebook and stuff like that because my my attention is somewhere else. So I think with with, um, children, you know, uh, engage them in different types of activities or environments so that they – you know, has have a reason to, to put that down, or
1: lay down the rule. You're paying for the cell phone. No cell phones exactly. on vacation. No cell phones at dinner. No cell phones when we're having a conversation. No. I mean, lay down the law. You but, know. So
4: that so you you allow that experience to happen to be know? in the
1: present moment right. to find the diversity and the appreciation of values and lessons in in the everyday, you know, life. Right. right. Yeah.
4: And like your son was saying that. You take yourself away from all of this and go somewhere different. It's a game changer. So yeah, by yeah. being more instrumental in setting the boundaries, you're right. allowing that to happen here. You know, in, in just in your everyday life, which which is where it needs to happen anyway. You know, right,
1: right. Well, we're going to take another quick break, and then when we get back, let's maybe just play with the concept of can diversity go too far?
4: Okay. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll be right back with Joan Shabib, author of the Car- Car- Caravan Sarai Gifts from the Caravan Sarai, bridging cultures through universal values. Guess what, Jennifer? What, Tim? You can listen to the Wake Up Hour weekly at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.
3: Wow. Guess what, Tim? What, Jennifer? You can check out all of our shows at myintentions.org. All
1: right. We are back with um, Joan uh, Shabib Shabib. I love that name Shabib. Where, <laughs> where, where where'd that name come from?
4: Well, it's Moroccan, but it almost has that C H says sh- like the, the the French. Like the cha-cha-cha. <laughs> people want to say Chabib, but it's Shabib. Yeah, it's C H
1: A B I B. So again, if you want to reach Joan, you could go on you could email her at J underscore Shabib, C H A B I B at Bellsouth.net or uh, check her on a website or you could get her book on the website. JonesShibbee.com, or we're going to put her book up. Uh, Jennifer might already done and put her book up on recommended books on our site. There, we'll be right next to Carol's book.
4: And one thing I want to say about the book too: yeah, uh, yeah. being an educator, um, the stories are geared for a little bit older children, but I also saw it as a book that if you're working with children or young, you know, young people, and you need to, you want to bring some diversity into what you're. Uh, talking about these yeah. stories would be easy to use. There's activities that go along with with the definitions and also bring in a very general way a little bit about the spirituality because a lot of times that kind of is left out and it's the important part.
1: Yeah in fact uh, I think that's wonderful in- information because it, when you have a workbook environment you can say you know and it's plus it's an easy read it's a great book because it's an easy read and it's a great point getting it, getting it across what we've been talking about today and and a child and a, like i said a little older adult they could get a little taste they could slow down and get a little taste it's amazing how reading's kind of slow i mean reading slowing down to just texts and and uh you know uh things like that magazines but you know get back into the books books is where things happen i mean uh, it it's transformational when you lose yourself in a book it's just your imagination just goes wild it's almost unbounded you know Mm -hmm. I guess it's bounded to the story but it's just allows you to go in all the different directions all right so can diversity go too far I mean what's your your general thoughts on that there's no right or wrong answer yeah
4: Um, I guess where I come from is uh, being sensitive to differences that could be cultural that can be uh, environmental differences that people come from within our own culture it could be uh, gender differences, whatever, being sensitive, and I think when you're sensitive to or want to practice that, it's a way of sort of stepping back for a moment, and when you hear what someone says, instead of pouncing off on it, if you don't agree with it, but just try to, hmm, okay, and get a feel. Put yourself in their shoes? Exactly, yeah.
1: So what would you distinguish difference between being tolerant and being sensitive? I mean, is there a difference for you?
4: Uh... Well, sensitive seems like something that comes from the inside, and right. tolerant is something we're kind of imposing on ourselves because we know this is good to do, which is is good to to practice tolerance. But um, hopefully, when you practice tolerance, it leads you to a little bit more sensitivity, so you don't feel uh, like okay, I'm going to be tolerant of this.
1: Well, like, well, example, what if like you know you see somebody, uh, say you're uh, against, uh, you know, what abortion, right, and you. are friend or somebody's talking in, they're wanting to go to a clinic whatever and you practice tolerance there and um but what if it's like fundamentally against something that you value very important or say war you know that war may be a bit more of a less of a trap of a of example you know going to war and you say you're really not you know you're more of a pacifist and but this person is going to war how do you practice tolerance there and do you just acknowledge that you say hey i'm yeah, you know, you do what you want, I disagree, blah, 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 but when you're tolerant, sometimes you have to, just the word alone, you have to put a lid on your feelings because you don't want to be upsetting somebody else. But then, when you put your lid on the feelings and upsetting somebody else, the other person, you know, cause, you know, could be upsetting you for not being able to share what you think. So, I mean, it's almost like a chicken or the egg. But... Uh, how do you distinguish between that tolerance and and do you feel it always is a good thing, all the time, no matter what?
4: Well, I don't say I will not say any. You don't use always, you know, Never, always. Yeah, of yeah. Course, yeah, yeah, but um, uh, like with the the examples that you were given, you know, if somebody maybe you're talking to a friend and and you wouldn't be someone that would go for an abortion, sure, and so, but that would be your uh, personal views that we can't, Im- that I believe you can't inflict on other people. Right. And in talking to that person, you could just, um, Well say domestic
1: abuse, you're watching it happen. Should you be tolerant of that?
4: Domestic abuse? Yeah, I'm
1: you- saying something more directly, something like, you know, or we had a show on satanic pedophilia. I mean, where does the point of being tolerant, um, is in your holding back your thoughts come a point where maybe you should not be tolerant? Maybe you should not tolerate that. Maybe you should not acquiesce to whatever this person's wanting. So, I guess my point is that there probably is a limit. And tolerance is not maybe it's been played up in our politically correct world. Is that tolerance is everything? And sometimes I don't think it is. I, yeah. don't, I don't think being tolerant is everything.
4: Sometimes you have to. If you feel this need that you need to speak out, yeah. And if if you don't say something, really, it kind of diminishes you because Your you value, haven't yeah. you haven't listened to yourself. Then you need to get the courage and do what you need to do, and then uh, not you don't have to worry about the ramifications if it was something that need to be said. Then you kind of let go of it, and you, it's, a lot of it's the way you do it too. Sure,
1: of course, it's not how you do it, mm-hmm. and you could be practicing that uh, sharing that part of you, what you disagree with, in a sensitive way. Right, saying.
4: right. You I know? think that's key. I mean, yeah. if you don't, people are not going to listen anyway. Yeah. You know? So
1: I, I think what a lot of times you have, especially due to political correctness, is um, you know you got to be diversified. You're diversified. You should be able to accept everybody and everything that they do. No, you really don't have to accept everything that everybody does. Now, they may do that, but you don't have to, like, peep it to yourself. You could, in your own way, get it out in a sensitive, loving way, if you pull, hopefully. But if it's something that's very direct and mm-hmm. very harmful that you're watching, you don't have to just say, you know what, I, I'm going to be desensitized to it because it's not my business to get involved in that situation. Right. And I think a lot of our culture has learned to be this sheep mentality in the sense of don't get involved and allow this to occur, and then not creating a mandate perpetuates that behavior. And I think where people have to understand that, you know, it, that's where I think sometimes diversity has its limits, or at least it's being co-opt where don't do don't get involved in anything because you want to be able to appreciate everybody's different cultures, you know. And, you know, one culture may find, you know, that type of abuse is very tolerated. <clears throat> and, you know, and, and you're, you're dealing with that. Maybe your relative uh, is going through that process, experience a different culture. You know, there may be a time when you don't.
4: Right, <clears throat> being being sensitive, being um, willing to speak up when uh, you see something that's an injustice or it just goes against how you re- what what your values are, as you right. were saying. Yeah. And uh, the way you present it, the way you say it, you know, is very important, especially if you want to uh, communicate. If you want for that person to kind of understand. If you're just gonna lash out at them, then, you know, Right, may not achieve what you want.
1: Yeah, so I mean, yes, and so maybe sometimes it does go too far. Or sometimes maybe the interpretation of it, but isn't it true? And I'll this is a more easier question for you here. <laughs>
2: Thank
0: you. Um, she goes, Thank you.
2: God, tolerance. <laughs> I'm
1: tolerating you right now.
2: That was tolerance at its finest. Right
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> tolerance, tolerance in action. Yeah. Huh? There you go. That's a nice quote. That one. Yeah, quotable. Quotable. Um, so. You believe just—I'm assuming you believe—and and you could jump in if you don't, that whatever you see outside is and whatever you agree or disagree or judge outside yourself is really a reflection of inside yourself. It's a mirroring. Everything's a mirror to us. The hall of mirrors, as right. Lorelei says. If I
4: if I see something and I get nudged by it, you know, then it's that nudge is inside of me. So it's it's affecting me in some way. Um, so I have to own that, you yeah, know, and yeah. sort of explore. Okay what's going on
1: right so how does that how does that take you when you see go to different cultures you see things that you disagree with that you tolerate to whatever degree how do you how do you incorporate think of an example and how you would incorporate into yourself you know like it's you're uneasy about it
4: well um I'm not someone when I go to an, another culture that I'm there to change everything yeah um, I remember uh, I, we were in Tunisia and um, my husband Uh, at the time now, uh, we were talking about um, children and abusive parents, and he was going on and on about, oh, that doesn't happen in this culture. Then right in front of us, this car stopped, and the guy kicked the child out of the car, and and it was just right in front of us. And I thought, okay, there you go. (laughs) You know, it's here, but it's not something, you know, that necessarily I'm going to run run in and try to change you know you have to be use some wisdom about it and um uh, you you
1: probably cause more problems than help at that point?
4: right right you know you can't just uh, push your agenda on everyone but that that you see someone not doing um handling something the way you think it should be handled but I, i think you also need to have the courage to speak up when you feel like it's it's the right time because if you're not then you're kind of just allowing these situations to continue and maybe you can um, if you say you're in a uh, restroom when someone's getting aggressive with their child or something maybe you can offer some help or just say well let me help you with that so you kind of soften maybe the frustration that parents feeling instead of you know saying I'm gonna call d or something <laughs> like that you know? Yeah.
1: exactly or you know uh, get involved in the, in the actual story and understanding it and um, rather than just going through the protocols of, you know, sending them to jail, you know, and who cares. Um, so we're going to be coming to a close here shortly, but tell me about, I know you've done a lot of traveling and you've done the cultural travel. And you understand the sense of diversity, how important it is to um, put yourself in other people's shoes. And also when the right learning moment you're saying is to, if something that you disagree with or your your values are are tested, To find the right learning moment to get your point across to that person or persons or whatever it may be. But do you ever find yourself in another um, culture where you really don't want to be there? Or do you always find the good in in all?
4: Well, I've been um, trying to think if I didn't want to be there. I've been in situations like, you know, engaging with people in conversation and then I get to a point that it's like... um, I don't want to be rude, but yeah. I want my own space, and that's one thing that we're used to here in our culture—is our own individual space. We value that, and in other cultures, it's not necessarily like that. Yeah, you have so, a room with ten people, right? You, know? you have so many extended rooms. family, and so um, there would there would be a point that I might. Say, you know, <laughs> I remember we were. My
1: American butt spoiled. I need some time alone.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I go, uh, help.
1: <laughs> but, um,
4: but most of the time, you know, if you give yourself that space, then you're, you know, you're pretty, you have that balance of alone right. time and then connecting.
1: Uh, well, i 'll tell you what, it, it's its it's a great I mean, diversity is so important and I wish you had more time to talk about it um, and I think your book really kind of gets a point across what what's the what 's the take home for someone to get your book and why what would be the take home if you want to tell them why it 's important to uh read this what w- what would they take home with them?
4: I think my thought behind writing it was first i I enjoyed it because I wanted to share what I enjoyed about other cultures but it was is it really just to plant a seed. If you're reading it as a a young person or as an adult, sharing the story with the activities is to uh, plant a seed of of openness, so that um, a person sees why that person is using a mala or why that person has a prayer rug, or uh, uh, the call to prayer in a country doesn't have to be something weird. It could be something that helps you to. Take a breath, and it's a way of remembering God, or just to see some of the things they're doing in a way that you can understand it and find meaning. And I think um, kids are open to that, and uh, if they have it, it, they experience it in a more neutral way. Yeah, um, I think that helps to uh, bridge those cultures and they don't have to think of a stranger fear be fearful about stranger it your
1: danger yeah. um no it's wonderful and joan thank you so much for coming on the show thank and you. uh having uh, spiritual educators like yourself out there is a godsend and we're so blessed to have people such as yourself getting the message out sharing other cultures and then sharing that with our cultures our culture and uh, i just think it's wonderful Thank you. Enjoyed it. Thank you. We'll have you back, and we'll talk some more.
4: Okay. All right.
1: Thank you, guys. Well, we got a lot coming up. Today is what Wednesday. Yeah. Happy Hump Day. Hey. (laughs) Uh, Thursday, we got some interviews, and then Friday, I think Susan's coming back. We're talking about spiritual, getting your spiritual experience on. Oh
2: yeah, it's gonna be a good one. Yeah, it's
1: gonna be a good one. She's had some spiritual experiences. Um, So uh, check it out Friday, 11 o'clock, and we'll see you there. Check us out on Spreaker now. We're Spreaker and Blog Talk as well, iHeartRadio and everyone else. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys then. Take care.
0: Welcome to the Good Intention Show, coming to you live on the UI Radio Network, The Good Intention Show is sponsored by the United Intentions Foundation at unitedintentions.org, a virtual community where you learn to create, track, and manifest your passions one intention at a time. Look for us on Blog Talk, Spreaker, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and many more. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram under United Intentions and on Twitter at Higher Intention. Yes, this is the Good Intention Show, where you will meet people who live life intentionally and hear about things they're not telling you in the mainstream. Media. And now, here's the truth seeker, the snake charmer, a legend in his own mind, broadcasting live all over the universe. Your host, Mr. Tim Ray.